0: Welcome everyone to the 29th episode of the new gen mindset podcast i'm dan kozell here with uh nick tartaglia what are we doing today man well
1: <laughs> all i can say is it 2020 as usual does not honestly does not disappoint since the beginning, we've said nothing is nothing is rational, nothing is typical. Everything is new, and every week goes by, and it seems to keep proving that thesis. So,
0: uh, <laughs> well, it's I, I was, was just gonna, gonna skyrocket. I I was just gonna ask you how you've been, but I feel like I ask you this every time. <laughs> that like, that's I, part I, I of it. I a
1: better job of that's that's honestly part of I gotta do a better of job of mixing it up. If we, if we realize it though, I think that all my, my feelings as a human being is entirely tied to how the world moves. So if the world is doing crap, you know, it's like, well, I feel a little crappy inside because it's like my, I, every, my optimism and my, the, the way I perceive my reality is based on how I look at the world and the way it moves. And it's a little scary right now. I'm not going to lie.
0: It's uh, the, the it thought of what's happening is scaring me. So, so let's let's break this down um, because today's episode is going to be about the volatility that we saw mm-hmm. last week and what the volatility is most likely expected going into what might be the most uh, pivotal election yeah. ever. I mean, they say this every year, but I think this year well, there's just, with all the chaos that's been I going agree with you. on, I agree with, you. with all the division, uh, with all the lack of integrity in the media, not all of them. Uh, Just everything that's happening, you've got global lockdowns, countries going into lockdowns now. Um, Uncertainty is back, and investors hate uncertainty. Mm -hmm. Markets hate uncertainty. You and I hate uncertainty. Um, But there's a lot of lessons that are going to be taken away from this. But I want to start with a quick stat here. Historically, um, 87% of the time, when the incumbent president – is in the white house and is up for reelection election 87% of the time, if the market rallies that incumbent holds his position, what we're seeing now is there was a massive sell-off this week. Top that with enforced lockdowns, uh, big tech missing earnings. Surprisingly, yeah. a lot of them just had disappointing earnings. Apple really led the drive for that. Um, and now you've got a situation where, and we're going to talk, politics quickly, because I mean, it's on everyone's mind right well, now. Well, Right now it's the primary got,
1: variable impacting the market.
0: It, it, it is, it is, it is the top variable for sure. Of course uh, second, second would be COVID for sure. But you've got one candidate who is going all in visiting. He's doing five rallies today. Um, he's doing another five tomorrow, right before election day. And you've got another candidate that's only doing three events, maybe even two events, I think the last time I checked. So um, from a political standpoint usually enthusiasm, voter enthusiasm is a very high predictor of what's to come. But a lot of investors are not seeing it like that. And another thing that I noticed too, and I'm sure you saw this, was that on the betting sphere, we're talking like sports betting, like bookies and whatnot. Uh, I was talking to a guy in Chicago. Um, He's like, I'm looking at the math. I have no emotion in this. He's all in on Biden with the hedge against Trump. So we don't know what's going to happen. No, I don't think anybody is predicting that if you are a pollster, your life, your life's work is on the line this week. I mean, Mm -hmm. without a question,
1: it must be confusing. Like I see those polls numbers in my head and I'm like, how do you like, how do they conclude these numbers? It's like, it must be very confusing with 350 million people. It's like, how do you go around actually concluding real data? That isn't somehow biased or m- manipulated or like, I don't know. I just find it odd that they they, they go around talking so much about the pollster numbers. And it's like, eh,
0: does it, does it usually play out the way the polls say it will? Well, what did we learn in 2016? I, Everybody I, had, I wasn't watching uh, that very well. I, I don't think then. you and I really cared about, I don't no. think most people really cared. No. Everyone thought, uh, okay, Trump's an outsider. He's not going to win. Um, what happened? He won, and uh, on election day, believe it or not, Hillary Clinton, amongst all major polls, had a 91 percent chance of winning. Shit, and that shit. was because of, that was because at the time there was a story that came out that's, that Trump said some shit, you know, behind closed doors. It was realistically locker room talk, and the polls that they had had predicted that that pissed off a lot of people. The reality was, people a lot apparently the voters didn't care about that so i'm just, we're starting size. to see some it's, it's the sample yeah size of the, it, of the it, polls it apple size it's the sample size of the polls it's what are the questions that are being asked how mm. long are the questions being asked right you know which you states get a phone
1: you know how which are you states. reaching out are the old people young people
0: yeah and like the other thing too is like imagine you get a phone call from a pollster i mean they do this in our elections too they call you and they say hey do you have 20 minutes to answer a questionnaire?" i'm like i don't know 20 minutes for what type of questionnaire you got to keep it quick. You have two minutes. You have one minute. Yeah, sure. No problem. Most people have like one minute to give on the phone. Um, but anyway, back to the market, mm-hmm. um, back to sort of the polls, um, the market sold off about 1800 points this week. And, um, it's not a, it's not an encouraging sign short term, obviously. Right. Um, and, and there's fears that because there's a lock, there's a second wave of lockdowns on the way, um, there could be a double dip recession, uh, yeah. well past the election. The market is why hit. This is the market hit right? that
1: double the double top uh, pattern. It had that two big dips. Mm-hmm. Um, then you take into account that look. Obviously, the market behaves a little differently than typically the market uh, the economy does. Markets don't function on the same uh, time cycle as the economy. Far different. So obviously I understand why the market in the short term is kind of optimistic for Biden because more stimulus implies more inflation in the asset classes. So of course, in the short term, there's probably more money to be made through that artificial stimulus through the asset classes. So I can kind of understand why there's investors and people on wall street are kind of inclined for it because it means more money to inflate because if no money comes in, eventually things collapse. And obviously as an investor, and people on Wall Street, it's much harder to make money when that if that happens. So I of kind of get where they're inclined. But the reality is, at the same time, if these institutions are intelligent and forward looking, which usually they are, a Biden win would also not only imply more money, less incentive for people to work. It would imply greater shutdowns, which would hurt the long term impact of the economy, would reduce the productiveness, the, which would it would be. It would, imp- it would impact productivity more than the amount of money the, the Republicans want to spend. Uh, they will also want to increase taxes, which will hurt citizens' balance sheet. If that hurts their balance sheet, then they have less money to spend. Cost of living is going to inflate more also as a result of more spending and less productivity. That increases cost of living. That means less money in pocket, means less spending. And clearly with the huge debt bubble if consumers start to stop spending, there's a lot of industries they are going to start collapsing because there's no money to funnel them and no money to funnel in two words, uh, sustaining that debt load that the economies have.
0: So yeah. everything is crazy right now. I, I will say this though. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's, it's not wrong to think that Biden could actually win this. Of course. Um, I mean, we don't know. Honestly, we, I, I, yeah. we, we, we don't know. I mean, we'll see what happens, but, um, we could, what we could do here is talk about both scenarios, but to your point, um, Biden wants to increase taxes. Yeah. I mean, you're doing this during a global pandemic and the justification for that is the more they want to increase taxes to provide more value or more money for yeah. a socialized healthcare system. Well, now, we'll judge that. I don't want to get po- everything, right? Exactly. So it's that's, not, that's, yeah, one, exactly. that's. That's one risk right now this week. Don't forget U S GDP for Q3 was 33.1%. That's the highest ever on a quarterly basis that was annualized at that level. Now you have to look at the spectrum as a whole, right? Trump will run with that number because he actually show he's showing to the people that, Hey, like this is where we're at and we need to continue to open the economy. You have to look at the first, the, the first three quarters of the year. U.S. GDP is only down about 3% this year. Relatively speaking to other GDPs across the world, Europe is going to shit. (laughs) Europe is... Germany locked down.
1: France locked down. England is locking down. And the worst part of it is this, is most of these countries in Europe who run on the euro, it's not like they can just print money as they wish. They have to go then through the euro to have more money and more funding to sustain their the shutting down of their economy the eu is already conflicted with so much terrible economic variables that this is
0: just deepening these problems so we have to you have to look at it relative to other places the us is actually in a very strong position relative to the rest of the world the whole world is shit right now uh, and, well, China, and china's num- yeah. china's numbers i i just i find it i looked at they, they recovered within four months, mm-hmm. something's fishy there. But uh, the way, but, here, but here's that, this,
1: but... The, the only thing I want to say about that is potentially that they just didn't shut down anything. So they're just right back to normal. And the thing is this on a supply chain level, if I cannot get what I need, I'm going to redirect my attention to whoever's willing to supply it. China could just be using this as a moment to start stealing demand and supply to around the world, which would just only right. expand the power of their economy because everybody else is shutting down like buffoons.
0: Yeah. And again. Whatever's happening in Europe. Yeah, again, it is a bit of speculation, but the numbers were there. They've recovered within four months. Their manufacturing PMIs were up like it, it was like it went from 37 to like 52 in like two months. I was just like, how's that even possible? Like, what did you do there? So something's going on there. We'll probably get an answer on that soon. So anyway, back back to the US and Canada. Canada is Actually we grew about 1.2% this, this quarter, which is good. And that's obviously based from the fact that we were able to open, but now we're entering partial, partial stimulus lockdowns and stuff. Yeah. Stimulus too. See, so the here's is, the, the real question.
1: I just want you know, like the idea for me would be like how much of this is purely through stimulus and how much
0: of this can be sustained after the stimulus is finished up and dries Correct. up. Correct. Correct. And this is the ultimate question. Okay. The lockdowns, are they actually effective? Well, depends on who you're asking and
1: what who you're Economi- asking. And what and economically speaking, obviously, economically
0: you know, it's a disaster. Of course, hundred percent. There's not like, a single
1: person that can disprove this.
0: And the thing is, from the other we, side, even, of the, even Germinal last time said it's like it's uh, impossible. to... Of lockdowns of would course. destroy an economy.
1: You, 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 you have. <laughs> it's. It, most businesses, most small, medium businesses, not only run on small margins of profit, they also don't make enough money to just not be able to not do anything for five years because they're not liquid like a like Apple, who has almost $200 billion of cash. It, it, most small, medium businesses don't have that type of luxury and ability. So by shutting down, the people you're hurting the most are the small and medium businesses, not the big boys. The big boys are only going to have, only get the opportunity to take advantage of this weakness in the market. It expands their ability to solve more problems the small medium businesses are hurt the most and that is not a consequence of covid that is a consequence of the decision of government to shut down the economy to save a few lives in order to put many others at risk health-wise economically you name it they are damaging doing so much more damage doing this long-term effects too, 100%. And then guess what? They're going to want to increase taxes or make more money in order to do what, to solve the problems they just did. But as we clearly can observe through history, as we can get some of the greatest minds economically, as Germinal even said, more
0: spending never yields the results we want. No, no. And that's, that's where a lot of people just don't understand that it doesn't matter what country you're in it the system works like you could have a effective capitalist system in another country but that obviously comes down to who's in charge and all that stuff so it's applicable everywhere too um what i would say too is moving forward you've got people okay people are on lockdowns people don't have jobs unemployment is going to continue to rise at some point especially There's when it Exactly. There's about 8 million Americans who are well below the poverty line. Canada, I think it's just under about 900,000. Okay. Um, these are the people that for whatever reason, let's say there's going to be more people that follow underneath that poverty line. What's going to happen? These people probably have houses. These people probably have rent. These people probably have to pay other you know, forms of payment just to make a living. So here's the biggest threat that, or this is the biggest risk, I think, after the election that I think a lot of people need to start paying attention to is who is controlling all this leverage? Who is controlling all the mortgage? And I sound like we're going back to 2008, but who who has that, right? And- I think banks are really exposed at this, they are so and nobody, nobody is talking about this right now because you've got obviously the biggest election ever. So we, you think about it, right? This, if the, you, if, because because the
1: the principle of the framework of the economy is governed and implemented through the framework of the government. The government leverages the banking system to to create the output the, or the illusion of a powerful economy that they desire. Right, right. So what they can do is they can manipulate the economy through the Fed, through the interest, through stimulus to artificially inflate asset classes, which sustains their debt load, which makes them appear larger and more powerful than they are through the wealth. But then when you go look at the productivity component of the market and the trend going long-term, you're seeing a disconnect in the numbers. And again, like Germinal says, like other economists are highly highlighting, You cannot sustain this expansion in wealth without there being a fundamental expansion in the productivity of the economy to sustain that. You know what I'm really curious to see is if next year, in 2021, what they do in Canada, and United States in terms of minimum wages, if they increase minimum wages, if they do that, that's a government tactic, at least in my opinion, is purely for them to just start making more money again without taking into account that most people won't be able to pay a higher wage when they're making less money and the cost of living keeps going up. It's just going to get
0: translated over to the consumer. So consumers got to to pay more money as a result. And that, then don't forget about inflation too. I always use the, uh, I always use the, uh, when someone brings up, yeah, they should increase minimum wage to $20. I'm like, have you seen McDonald's recently? They're like, yeah, uh, no, yeah. Like, I go there. I'm like, have you noticed that there are automated machines there for you to make your order? Mm-hmm. Have you noticed that? Like, because you want that people. to be you. Exactly. Exactly. So it's like, force. all right, you want to, if you increase minimum wage in that regard, What's going to happen is you're actually going to, you're going to lose jobs of course. in the long run. The long of course, run. because as a, as a business, if I already, which again, remember
1: most businesses in the Western world in general are small and medium businesses. Most of these businesses don't have large profit margins. As a result, if you increase their costs and you increase like minimum wages, businesses to offset this will have usually one of two options. Either they'll translate that cost over to consumer, which increases the cost of living, which happens often. Or what they'll do is they'll start spending more money at the beginning in order to find substitutes to their labor force, in order to decrease their labor force cost or their operational cost in order to improve or better their margins going long term, which is like you just said, where's where you start substituting with machines. Driving which, up minimum again, wages if- prices out cheap labor. It makes it harder for people without experience to get a job. You're pricing out poor people. It makes it harder if you have no minimum wage, it levels the playing field and you're leveraging only your experience and your ability to provide value. And that's what you're paid for.
0: Right. And I also, but listen, I think minimum wage should be at a specific level for you to at least be able to survive. But at the same time, um, the ones that hold on, the ones that will survive are usually when you increase minimum wage, you're helping the bigger corporations. And isn't Not what people don't want, (laughs) you know what I mean. So, but it's because they don't understand the the irony is there, the
1: the dynamic of the economy of how it's like a it's it's like a math equation. If I plug something on one side, something happens to the other side of the equation. It does not. You can't just multiply one side by two and then not get a multiplication on the other side. Math doesn't work that way. Basic algebra. It's an equivalent exchange. You do something on one side of an equation, the other side has to have something done to it. You can't just increase minimum wage and assume nothing happens. And here's the irony of that though. The, the, The premise of supporting minimum wage is to support the increase of cost of living, which is primarily driven through the artificial inflation of government pushing asset classes and cost of living up. It's their doing primarily. Because if you allow the free market to do its own thing, it will naturally expand itself according to whatever the dynamic and the sustainability premise of the market is. Clearly, it's not sustainable, our, eco- our ecosystem right now, economically speaking. No, but the only not. reason why it's it can't not. be sustained is because the government intervenes and spends the money and stimulates. But without that, right. you wouldn't have this. So the premise of the free market argument as libertarians or um, free capital, true capitalism, not socialistic capitalism, as we have, is where the, the economy will naturally increase the wages of people as it naturally expands, it will not increase where it cannot sustain itself unless you right. have external intervention from government through stimulus, which dilutes the economy, weakens the dollar. And with the trend which is of, what we're seeing now. Exactly. And this is Ray what, Dalio, what we're right now. So this was Ray Dalio was saying he was having, he was doing a conversation on Yahoo and he was telling about how, when you look at issues of economies, when governments start going to near zero interest rate, there's an issue. So first, well, yeah. And we're going to segue into something else, but go Exactly. So the first thing he says is, is, is monetary stimulus interest rate. So they'll manipulate interest rates to manipulate the overall economy. So they lower interest rates, which as we saw just had a huge impact on inflating uh, other bubbles. And then what they did was. They bought securities and asset classes and financial products. This is where he says all, and this is where he says, and he goes, you can clearly see this in the economy right now. He goes, when you do this from the government's perspective, you intervene, you start buying asset classes like that. All you're doing is you're creating a larger division in the wealth gap because you're protecting those with financial uh, assets and you're not allowing people without financial assets to be involved because nothing's becoming cheaper. yeah. Exactly. To get, you're getting out poor people. When you do this same thing with the minimum yeah. wage, you're being priced out and that's their thing. That's what they're doing. It's the same thing. Redell goes, there's an issue right now. And he, and he's like, so just to say, like, I've been getting heavily into precious metals lately, but tangibles, because I've kind of did not liking what's going on globally. <laughs> so, uh... Well, I,
0: and dude, like, this is exactly what everybody should be looking at too, is, You've got zero interest rates. Okay. I saw, and if you saw it this week with the sell-off, um, the 10 year, the 10 year yield, which is like the, 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 the most important yield to be looking at hit 87. So when every sector in the market was red and the 10 year was going to 0.87 or 87% or or 0.87, whatever, um, to me that just signals it's like where investors putting their money mm-hmm. you cannot get yield right now in fixed income mm-hmm. it is impossible and because they're manipulating the interest rates because that's what it is that's what it looked like at least i mean i don't know if that's true or not but like if ray dalio is talking about that as being manipulation it's pretty clear that they're, manip- they're there's it's fair to assume that they are manipulating uh the 10 year the third year etc but to me i was just like wait wait a minute you look at the year-to-date asset classes, equities have been the second-best performing asset class. You know what the number one asset class has been this year? The, the top asset class is it Bitcoin? Yeah, we did pretty well. So, bit- through- so, 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 so hold on. Before we say yeah, it's a great investment. It's up ninety percent year-to-date. Great, but. If you're a value investor and you're seeing the market right now and you're looking at the year to date, you're just like, how the hell is a intangible asset, the best performing asset class this year? What the hell are people buying? So again, these are all the questions and this is why the the VIX last week. So the VIX again is that uncertain. It's the fear gauge in the market. Mm -hmm. That's why the VIX hit 40 last week. It is just like, and I saw it happen too. And I was just like, okay, I'm buying UVXY today. I bought a few calls, made some money on the down short. I called a friend. He's like, he's like, I've been prepping for this moment since, since God knows how long. But uh, it's just, the writing was on the wall. It was just there, okay? And I think this is actually going to continue maybe even this month. It might get worse this month, to be quite honest. And we got to see what happens on Tuesday.
1: I'm scared. Like, look, I'm scared, honestly. At the big dip, <laughs> at the big dip, I got it. The second lockdown kind of ruined the whole potential for me to potentially see a dip as an opportunity again, because now you're just, the first lockdown did a lot of problems. Okay.
0: Well, because we doing, didn't know, we, we didn't know, we didn't know enough.
1: Yeah, we were all. That
0: like, was like the great unknown. Now exactly. we know this virus, right? So. And
1: now, and you're doing another lockdown, which is not good economically speaking whatsoever. And yet, their intervention is also sustaining asset classes where, fundamentally speaking, the economy clearly cannot sustain. Because if it could sustain on its own, it wouldn't require the stimulus. So the output desire of the government hoping to God in order to fix everything happening is that after the stimulus, that they somehow find a way to stimulate, really stimulate the economy in terms of productivity output, not in terms of just spending money. Because when they say stimulate, all they're doing is we're artificially maintaining the levels of the economy by giving more money. So people can continue to spend. So you're fueling a consumption economy. You're not fueling a productive economy. And that's how you want to, want to create more opportunities, more opportunities, more productivity, increases the power of your dollar, increases the power of your wealth, everything like that. But clearly, it, so all this going on right now, I'm freaking out. I just don't like the environment. Now you have Europe shutting down. You have North America collapsing. You have a huge, Issue politically, you have a huge issue socially with division, you have a huge issue economically speaking, you have global recessions. Europe looks like it might collapse. I don't know what's going on over there. Canada is falling apart. You have millennials that have a terrible trend in terms of being a a, a productive labor force, which has a bad outlook as a whole collectively. You have asset classes that are insane. So then in my head, I'm like, well, the only thing that makes sense to me now is precious metals. I'm done. Yep. Like I precious metals, silver, gold, copper, uh, all these things. uh, That's become my new little obsession because that's the only place I truly see value now.
0: And, and I'll be honest, gold. Gold and silver have had probably its best year since like 2012, 2013. And that could, could only sustain. That could but potentially continue. That could continue. My only concern, though, is in the last, let's say, six months, it's been heavily correlated with the market. So yes, anytime, anytime, anytime anytime, the market sells off, gold actually sells mm-hmm. off again. Um, but but eventually a, there could be a decoupling. I Well, I feel like there has to be because at some yeah. point, you know, Gold has historically, gold and silver, although silver has much higher utility than gold, um, they are going to have to split off from the market at some point exactly. because investors are going to have to go somewhere. Exactly. But the question is, what percentage of that is going to go to precious metals and what percentage of that is going to go to Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies? I agree. But you because- see, I, might,
1: I think it would be more of like an age separation.
0: I think so too. Yeah. Because look, to be honest, JP Morgan is, actually had a report on this. They said, before you continue, they yeah. said that uh, the, the young, the people under 40, their hedge was to buy Bitcoin. And yeah, then exactly. the people over 50 were buying makes gold sense. and silver, it's, which it's, makes heavily,
1: sense. It's heavily correlated to psychological demographics. So age is a huge factor in the way people perceive asset classes and storage of wealth and so on and so on. Uh, it's... The reason why I'm starting to look more precious metals, and I think is because I'm looking at it again as a contrarian in the sense that we're going to have a repeat in terms of a bubble where people are going to neglect the value of tangible commodities until eventually the world realizes that is the most insurable value. Because who doesn't like gold? Who doesn't want silver? The whole world likes it. Central banks buy it, governments buy it, institutions buy it, wealthy people buy it. So I feel like there's going to be a bubble, uh, an invert of what a typical bubble is. Instead of, they're going to be so obsessed with other asset classes because the older generations were obsessed with those things that they're going to neglect it for so long that eventually they're going to have to come back because people cycle in their desires and their asset classes. Yeah. So I feel like eventually they're going to have to come back to it because at the end of the day, whatever happens, gold, I can barter it, not a problem. I can give it to you and you'll give me something in return for it. Everything else right now is so expensive. And in the short term, and the midterm, if the economy stagnates or starts going downwards and there's a collapse, you you're, just buying at the peak right now of everything.
0: Like uh, almost okay. Everything is at a peak. Agreed. And uh, I actually want to talk real quickly about real estate too. Um, <laughs> because this, this summer in particular, uh, Lumber prices hit all time highs. So what lumber is, it's a leading indicator for new home starts. New home starts is a leading indicator of economic growth. Uh, historically from the, the last, government's perspective, from the government's perspective, yes, but exactly. even economists will agree with this. Too. But
1: again, but those are primarily economists because remember it's stimulus.
0: You, you can, it, it's, you can artificially increase those numbers. Correct. But that's all I'm trying to say. Yeah. But you also have to look at how many new homes were built, how much selling was done. The real estate market this summer was off the charts. Yes, 100%. But it's
1: fueled through that debt. So don't forget that one.
0: Correct. So you you have the zero interest rates. You'd be exactly the bankers were saying you'd be foolish not to borrow (laughs) money and buy a property great. If you've got enough liquidity to do it, by all means, like that's fantastic. I think you should have done that. But the problem is I'm sure a lot of, a a vast majority of people are probably taking out a mortgage. That's at least 60, 70% of what their equity was. Right. And they're kind of locking themselves into that asset, really buying at a much higher price.
1: Exactly. And that later on, if the interest goes up guys, chow, prices are collapsing because it's called, it's, it's a balance. There's a reason why prices have increase pretty, pretty fast when you went near zero because people are willing to pay more as a consequence. But what people are forgetting is that down the line government has to raise interest and when it gets to the three, four, you don't know, 5% range to really offset the situation. Well, guess what? Prices collapse because it becomes the invert. People are willing to pay less because they have higher premiums or higher interest to pay. And a lot of people that are buying now, they're not taking into account the future cost of their property as a consequence of increased interest. So if you're not accounting for your margins in terms of your cash flow versus your debt payout later on, when those margins get squeezed more, because interest rates rise, you can get screwed. So you have to make sure
0: you're, if, you're like, if, like if, if you have a variable mortgage. Exactly. Right?
1: That's it. It really, so it, that's why, like, if you're going to lock up, obviously try to lock up for seven years. That's, that's my personal uh, I, Yeah. I if that's you're like... below now, below 2%, I would lock up for seven years because well, if you honestly, get 10,
0: that's a huge deal too, because yeah, gives, exactly. uh, you're, 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 you're buying time, but here's, here's the problem, right? What percentage of the mortgages that were issued mm-hmm. during this sort of housing boom that we've had in both Canada and the U S are actually mm-hmm. variable mortgage rates. Mm-hmm. And the other question is, okay. Did Mostly the banks all
1: fixed? I think they're all fixed.
0: Probably. I think it's to stable things. I, I would hope so. But, um, what, percentage of the bank's investment banking book make up sort of those transactions mm. let's not forget just because oh wait happened doesn't mean it can't happen again oh and the economic right? the economic problems now are worse than they were before hundred percent so um, I think again volatility is going to be creeping higher this month it's gonna be bumpy um, if anybody's invested in the market like I, I have Apple shares still. I bought some at 115 and I saw it go down. If you you you, you hold Apple. Good, you don't trade Apple. 100. <laughs> if you bought if you bought a good company, and you're down in your position right now, probably just just sit on your hands. Yeah. Sit on your hands. Don't if, be afraid, guys. Don't like you. But it's gonna teach you as well. It's gonna it's gonna teach your stomach a little bit of a lesson about volatility. Yeah. Um, but again, moving into Tuesday. And we're going to talk about this real quickly too, because this is going to contribute to the volatility and the severity of it as well. There's three possible, actually, there's probably 120 million possible outcomes in terms of states' combinations. But for simplicity, let's just do it like this. Let's assume the first one is a Biden landslide. Mm -hmm. Okay. Here's what I think will happen. And I'm sure you'll agree to this. Um, I think energy stocks will collapse. Mm-hmm. Biden did bring up something in the last debate that had everybody just like, especially if you're in oil, gas, uh, you supply know, chain, supply chain, anything like that. I want people to understand something. Everything's oil, like yeah. oil will collapse. But you have to understand, oil and gas, yes, it's a dirty industry but they've come so far into the innovation, into the reduction of, of, of greenhouse gases that if you get rid of that completely, you're actually getting rid of almost 5 million jobs, if not more, okay? And you're also giving power back to China and Russia because those are the two biggest oil and gas, Russia especially. I mean, those guys are the oil and gas kings. If the US just says we're done with that, You've lost an entire portion of the economy that's never coming back. That is almost depression level, in my opinion.
1: That's sustained here. Think of it this way to add on to that is United States is basically sustainable in terms of its own production of oil to fuel its own supply chain. It's self-sustainable through that their own energy consumption. They
0: became energy independent. If under you Trump, by if the way. you
1: remove this and you try to destroy the industry, not only are you losing a lot of jobs. One, two, you're now beginning to become a consumer where you have to buy it from other countries. Because guess what? Just because you eliminate something does not mean that all of a sudden you have a substitute. There's no substitute right now because the the thing is most of the supply chain, which takes time to innovate and adapt because it's a huge capex requirement. There's a lot of money involved. It's that most of it depends on oil, the boats, the trains, the planes, all these things cannot just be converted tomorrow. It takes time. Your car. Your car that you drive. Just just to transfer everything on ocean air is is all driven through oil right now. If you want to go mining, guess what? If you were to convert right now and say we're to go full pin green, guys, everything, all the mining, all those trucks, what do you think it is? They're going to have to spend more money on oil in order to get more stuff. In the short term, the increase in emissions will be clearly observable, in my opinion, because you're going to have to drastically increase the output of your metals and productivity in terms of those, those, the things you want, but which is only gets done by consuming more oil.
0: Yeah. So again, I, I, Biden landslide, there, there, there will be a collapse in energy. There's, there's like, I like it's inevitable. Okay. So that's one, that's one scenario, right? That's like really something to pay attention to. Um, let's say it's a Trump landslide. Um, there might be civil unrest. hmm Um, that means retailers, if there's consumer consumer discretionaries, consumer disposable, uh, like all those retailers, those small businesses. I mean, you might have like 10 Walmarts looted now. Walmart's a big company too, but at the same time, little ones lose, the little guys are losing, and that has a long term consequence as well. And don't want to
1: open businesses in that environment. It,
0: exactly. And there's going to be a mass exodus from those cities that have had yeah. the most riots, which has already happened. I think yeah. 700,000 people in California have moved to Texas. Just an FYI. That's just, I
1: know. Uh, I, I, I follow plenty of people, businesses, entrepreneurs who talk about how they won't plan on leaving and they've been leaving.
0: So, but, so it, it wouldn't surprise me. Now, Trump is good for the stock market. In the short term, in the long term, it becomes a little bit sketchy with regards to, okay, how deep of a recession are we in? We I, I think that argument comes on both sides almost. I, I, agreed. Agreed. So I don't want to get too into that. So that's just one of the many scenarios that can happen. Okay. Another scenario, and I think this is the one that has everybody on edge. And this is something called a constitutional crisis, mm-hmm. which yeah. essentially means that let's say all the votes are counted the first person who gets to 270, okay? The first person that gets to 270 basically wins. However, if the candidates are deadlocked, okay? Let's say it's like 272 and 258. They, they are required, I think under the constitution, they are required to do a recount. And this is what happened in 2000 with George Bush and, and Al Gore in Florida. Mm-hmm. Um, Florida was like dead. It was like, I think it was 10,000 votes. 10,000 votes separated that. They had to recount it. Bush eventually won. Um, Really interesting situation there. But anyway, a constitutional crisis, especially with what's been going on this year, is the last thing the United States, even Western society in this point, needs. Because if that happens... There is a strong risk for civil unrest between both sides, yeah, and you're, you're going to have the extremists from both sides literally go on the streets, and there's actually going to be violence. It's 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 my my worries is how are the states going to react in terms
1: of against the government? Will states conform to federal policies and regulations and laws, or states will further disconnect themselves from the federal? That that's where the civil unrest. Like there's so much. See, that's the thing. As a value investor, you're looking at all this thing, and you're going like there's nowhere you can logically say i i have a perfectly normal expectation of how the market's going to move how the economy is going to fundamentally get better and i can really find value right now in the overall market eh, i don't think there's many people that will agree with you on that one because honestly it, there's no solid footing it's chaos everywhere it, everything is chaotic
0: right now it's insane people are boarding up businesses Like it's like, they're, they're literally getting rid of, uh, they're, they're getting ready for a hurricane almost Washington DC. It's like, as if a hurricane is going to run ravage the entire city. It's just like, this is, this is bad. No, you know, it's, it's funny because I'm thinking about it's like, imagine the
1: cities decide to shut down, not because of COVID, but because to protect businesses and people they're going to say, we're shutting down the the city. We're bringing in the police, the army, not national guard.
0: Yeah, exactly. Because honestly, everybody's just fighting now. So, so again, those are kind of like the three macro scenarios that could potentially happen. Um, the more, and- it's funny now we thought, the more we have conflict among ourselves,
1: the worse, the worse it becomes for our economy because the economy is the collective put power of the individual of each individual. So the more people are fighting each other, the more opportunities the government has to implement itself into the economy in order to puppet the way we
0: want to allocate resources and things like that right because they they use it as an excuse to say yeah. hey we got to control this now exactly because and, we can't control ourselves yeah yeah so and and that fully discredits the idea of free markets unfortunately yeah, exactly which, but that's which is why sad which is, is sad because when free markets are actually operating when they're efficient when everybody's working when everyone has jobs uh when there's more trying to solve problems they're not afraid of trying to try to risk their wealth exactly now it's just like holy shit you know you've got one side who's just Crying about, you know, economic divide and how billionaires are getting richer, yada, yada, yada.
1: But everything they do is inflating that. Exactly. So it's it's almost like,
0: guys, like, let's take a step back and realize. It's it's
1: funny. It's like like, uh, Thomas Sowell who says that if people understood economics, most of the nonsense that happens in Washington would not be able to happen. Because most of the, the things you fight for and then you go to the government to solve, they're the ones who create that outcome in those problems you want. Look at the stimulus in the federal buying of asset classes. What did it do? It inflated asset classes and it priced out people who could have bought it at cheaper prices. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like it's perfect examples like this. Cost of living is going, is going to keep going up higher and higher as a result of what? Of more government spending stimulus and taxation. As a result, what happens? Cost of living goes up. Cost of living goes up. What happens? People are pissed off. What do people do? They go to the government, increase minimum wages, please. It's Guys, it's a, it's it's a, a, a cycle. It's, it's a vicious. It's crazy. It's, it's like a people cycle. don't want to understand these things. It's insane how everything you ask for them to solve just enhances the problems you keep going to them to solve. It's that vicious cycle, freaking over and over and over and over. We're so divided. I you cannot honestly like if you were if you were playing a game right now and you'd study the the, the environment and you would say millennials are weak. Millennials are not productive. Millennials like to argue and believe they know everything. They're very arrogant. Honestly, I don't see a very I mean, arrogant...
0: I I'll, I'll admit right now, I don't know everything.
1: No, but of course not. But the thing is, the issue with our generation is we won't, we like to believe that our opinion holds so much value and should be heard by everybody. Right. Even regard regardless of whether or not we're referencing data and facts. Well,
0: I will be honest again. Like I think I think I'm guilty of that. I think everybody, everybody, else, wants, I, everybody I think everybody has that. You know, I'll be the first to admit it. Like I've got an opinion about something. I'm not afraid to share it with people. Um, but is but, your opinion malleable after? Which yeah, it is. It, it, exactly. But I think the other thing too is moving forward as a society. And I kind of want to just go back real quickly to the scenarios, mm-hmm. but I will get back to this, but the volatility in these situations I think the volatility will be highest if there's a constitutional crisis versus, and if Biden wins in a landslide. If Trump wins in a landslide- the short term, you mean, you mean? Yeah, in the short, in the short term. term okay. In the short term. But I think also moving as soon as January, if Biden gets elected, as soon as January hits, January 17th hits, and he's like, because he's saying it, national, national lockdowns, I'm raising your taxes. Mm-hmm. I actually I think the think, market, yeah. I think the economy will collapse. Yes. Yes. I think that the market will eventually realize,
1: yeah. and then what's going to happen is you going to have a huge sell off because people are going to be like, I want my money now. Yeah. I'm exactly. taking my profits. I'm securing my profits at these prices when the, the, the gaps are going to keep widening and the, the profit margins of individual citizens are going to get tighter and tighter, which is a bad thing because it means you have less money to re- reinvest for yourself and create more wealth because you're giving more to the government. So I do believe with you the same thing in the short to midterm, even with the Biden, I expect there to be a huge downturn because of that. And then in the long term, potentially both scenarios are leading to a problem.
0: I, I think, I think so too. So either way there's going to be, and I think yes. we're talking about January, February, there could be another massive sell-off of some sorts because again, I, I don't, I'm not, I'm not predicting anything, but We've just had three sell-offs but, in, but, in not even a year. I know it's crazy, um, but think about it too. Like what I think, what we did today too is we really talked about a very top-down approach. Mm-hmm. So like, what's going on globally, and then bring it down to the specifics. Um, I think moving forward as millennials, um, we gotta focus on production. Yeah, we, we gotta we gotta focus on providing value to people. Whether that's you starting a coaching business, a consulting business, it doesn't matter what it is start a business this year this is the best year to do it and charge a charge a charge a profit like like a good amount for it like you know two thousand thousand you know depending on what the sessions are you know get comfortable with asking for for money for some people if you have a service if you have value that you can bring to people there's nothing i I really i really believe this we are no longer in the industrial age where you need a factory, you need an office to do shit. You can literally, and I'm doing it here too. And I know you are as well. I'm literally running a business inside of my apartment. I do everything from my phone. You (laughs) know, you do everything from your phone. So like, that's the, that's the important thing. Like start a business. This is the best time to do it. And you have look, to, at, lo, look at this as an opportunity. I know what Nick, what we talked about today is like doom and gloom and, and, and whatnot. But as and, an
1: investor, we have to look at things like that.
0: Yeah. You know, you, 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 have to look at it objectively, but also look at the opportunity side of it as well. We're, we're economic
1: agents. You know, it's like Ray Dalio says, people have to look at themselves as a balance sheet and the government's desire in order to fundamentally improve the output of the economy needs to be to allow individuals to seek opportunity and to understand that the power, their economic power only strengthens the output of the overall economy. So as an individual, you want to improve your own personal balance sheet. What are your assets? What are your debts? Where's your money invested? How are your assets growing? How are your debts minimizing? How are your debts sustainable? How are they supporting the assets growth? How are you as an individual operating the same way a business operates? You have to look at yourself as a balance sheet. You are, you make money, you spend money, you have assets, you have liabilities. Businesses have the same thing. Businesses are an entity under the law for a reason. Same way a human being is we are an entity you could do the same thing as a business
0: figure out ways to collect assets
1: That's collect assets and cash flow cash flow allows you to sustain debts which allows you to leverage them to increase the output of your assets also you you i find it flawed for us not to teach in school that humans need to understand the value of being economic agents in a system that requires you to work for resources to work to allocate resources for a house for food to have a family to go on dates to go on vacation to make memories to gain experiences these are all resources and without money you can't collect a single resource it's
0: very hard yeah it is and um i think a lot of people are waking up to that right now too um again this is the time to do it Um,
1: it's the, the i i
0: it's yeah um we'll leave it with this um tuesday i mean everyone's going to be talking about this the whole world's going to be watching i don't think anybody is going to bed early to that night um i probably plan on staying up I'd be curious to see who's angry and who's crying correct and that's <laughs> that's really going to be the thing what what who who do you think what do you think who do you think is going to win the election nick Okay, so
1: before I answer this, I'm just going to say this, guys. I'm <laughs> so not really the billion one dollar either on either side of those. Be, but they are the two biggest. It's literally, the, they are the two biggest parties. So obviously, rationally speaking, I, my outlook is either one of them to win. That's a given. But I'm not for either parties, really. I'm more of a libertarian by nature in the sense that I I, I kind of, you know, i rather have the power of myself to choose my faith and how I allocate my capital. Which is something of more of a libertarian principle, and it's something a lady named Joe that is running also on the on for the presidency, but nobody really seems to know who she is. But when I look at Trump and Biden, only because of the fact that I would rather—it's—it's it's messed, man. It's <laughs> I would rather Trump to win purely on the basis that he does not have a trend that pro- that is progressive in the sense that actually means more socialistic application of government intervention. There's more of that on the Democratic side, and I do not like that whatsoever. I don't like that trend. Yes, Trump, whatever people disagree about him, him as a person, yes, he's still spending money. That's a given which is why we both agree that in the mid to long-term, there's still going to be problems economically speaking because they still spend money and they still have that idea that spending helps in the ways they do, but it's not as progressive. I'll put that in quotations because I don't really believe that Democrats are very progressive in a good way. They're more progressive in a negative trend. And therefore, I would rather Trump because he... I feel like the actions he will take will be better off down the line afterwards for the overall economy than once taken by the Democrats, which would probably just be, again, more stimulus and more printing of money and giving it to people that, again, don't want to work or don't care to work. And it just create more division in the overall economy. So, you know, like it, it, for me, it needs to be Trump just on those bases, purely on that alone. It's an economic argument. Not I, I, I. Not another. I, not any other type of argument for me.
0: I know, and I've I've probably I'm trying to play devil's advocate here, but I I really I've been heavily involved in the research of both candidates. Um, I've been heavily involved in the research of both platforms. Um, the, the 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 Democrat platform, and. I got to be careful when I say this, but not really. But um, they have a hundred and ten-page document um, called "It's the Right" likes to refer to it as the manifesto, <laughs> but it is it is part of the Green New Deal. It's a hundred and ten-page document. I didn't read all of it, but I was reading through it as well, and I actually showed it to my parents who came from communism in in Soviet times. A lot of the stuff there almost felt like it was copy pasted from Stalin's uh, you know <laughs> his constitution the Constitution of the USSR and when I read it I'm like okay this all sounds great but from an economic standpoint you plan well, on spending, you plan on spending about a hundred trillion dollars which means I mean, I, it just doesn't make any sense. So I
1: want to, want to add to that just fast before you continue. So just to, on that point, exactly. Somebody made a crazy argument once that I actually really enjoyed it. Was, it was really, he goes, if you were to add up, if you were to look at the entire cost of the healthcare system in the United States in one year, in three years, it would add up to a trillion, uh, trillion. If you were to add up all the wealth of most billionaires, It might only add up to 1 trillion. And if you were to liquidate all of their assets, it would also then as a consequence mean a shitload of job losses Yeah. yeah. because they fuel a massive amount of the economy. So in order to pay off three years worth of healthcare in the United States, it would, you would require about a trillion dollars. In order to do that, you would have to basically liquidate everything these billionaires own, and that would only funnel it for three years. And then what after?
0: It collapsed, gone, so, child. So, no more. So, so, so back, back to what I was saying, and I agree with that, by the way. Um, back to what I was saying, the constitution of the USSR almost feels like it was copy pasted into this, uh, Green New Deal. Um, so they, and they plan on raising taxes to fund that, which of is course. to me, to me, it's economic suicide. Um, of course. so, so, so going back to Trump, um, I want him to win. Mm-hmm. Um, Will, if, if he, if he loses, will I accept it? I mean, yes, I'm not going to, I I, I mean, we all have to accept it. Some people can accept that. I mean, I don't know. Uh, What am I going to do about it? First of all, in Canada. And secondly, as an investor,
1: your job is to adapt to whatever you're throwing.
0: Correct. Correct. But again, I'm just, I'm just, I'm I'm stating an obvious here, but Trump is the economic builder behind what was before the pandemic, probably the greatest economic boom we've ever seen uh, in terms of pace and in terms of growth. And he actually gave back to the American people uh, an extra seven to $8,000 from his tax cut. So imagine you get seven to $8,000. Like, yeah, it's not a lot of money, but for some people, it, it adds to their- Their liquidity. F- well, forget their- li- Well, yes, their, well, their individual personal but, liquidity. But- but it adds to their standard of living. Of course, but that's hundred percent, right? Uh, and it doesn't drive. Let me finish my yeah, go, go, go. before you interrupt me. I got to get a mute <laughs> button for you next time. I'm joking, but it's okay. to, to me, it's just like d- the pandemic is going to continue to be here. Um, when he's talking, a lot of people just don't understand this. He's trying to deliver a message of hope. Whereas to me, Biden is just sitting there. And the one thing you said, a dark winter is coming. And I'm like, as a leader of a country, I don't want to hear that. Mm -hmm. I want to hear somebody who's going to say, we're going to beat this thing. We have done this. We're going to recover from this. Here's the plan, you know, and Again, I've been getting a lot of hate for this. I don't really care because you're—it's free country. You could do well, free country for now. Uh, but you're—you're—you're you're, you're entitled to whatever you want to say. But I really believe that after this is all over, the person who can take the country out of sort of this huge problem and move it forward is—is is Trump. Yeah, because they're built, business pro, yeah.
1: and business pro fuels
0: economic uh, development. Yeah, and that's dude. Like to me, that's just. That's what it comes down to. Now people are gonna say he's an asshole. His personality is rash. I'm like, dude, I don't care. Did he get the job done? What does his track record say? It's the same thing when you're running a business. I don't care about your personality. I, I mean, are you good with people? Sure, yes. But did you get the job done?
1: It's like it's like I'm gonna I'm just gonna elect somebody because I'm mean, gonna elect the. A... I'm gonna hire somebody because she's pretty. No, again, whoever you are, you want to be you want to be given power, or you want to be utilized because of your value and what you can. What provide. value can you bring to the group? And right, that goes exactly. back to production. You know, it's that it's, it's that whole it's the principle of economic philosophy. Yeah, input output. You cannot expect an outcome economically, which is how you improve your living standard, how you enjoy your life, if the input is artificial if it's divided if it's non-existent like there's no input that you just want the government to take care of you what that's socialism yeah yeah you're giving the power to the government to take care of you that is weak as an individual because then that means that you as an individual have no power to earn what you want to earn in life and build what you want to build in life because the government can just allocate resources as it see fit as it see fits And you become a consequence of those decisions. Perfect example here in Montreal. They they, they decide to shut down uh, gyms with zero proof when you have data that shows that as a result of shutdowns from COVID, there's an increase in mental health problems and suicides. Gyms are a way for people to release energy, to stay active and to stay fit and healthy. Why is the government destroying businesses, which economically speaking in the short term may not hurt us, but it hurts the mental output of the productiveness of our economy because there's no, people can't move. People can't exercise and that could have a long-term impact on our productivity. Agreed. And, uh, gyms, in my opinion, should be an essential service, but anyway. Yes, of course, hundred percent. But again, the government gets to choose. And from their perspective, from books, if you look at in the balance sheet, it, look at present moment, the cost of shutting down the gym or businesses, gyms losing their jobs are losing, uh, Losing their businesses has it's it's insignificant to the economy right now, right? If there's a if there's 200 gyms in Montreal and 200 gyms vanish, okay, that's not many people that lose jobs compared to the other people. It's which still is
0: why- but listen, it's still it's still jobs that yes. People but have my had.
1: point is they're choosing who is open, and who's not open from that perspective, they have to economically somehow have some sort of reasoning. And to me, that is one of their primary reasoning that economically speaking, you don't add much, but that's a short-term thing. Long-term you're destroying the productivity and the health of our economy because people are going to become sad and depressed, you know, mentally people can't see each other. People can't hang out, can't have fun. So people don't want to work as a result because they don't,
0: they, there's no reason to. Right. And again, this is, again, I, 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 I really think that, again, moving forward, the let's talk. We'll go back to the market real quickly, and I think we'll wrap it up here because we've been going on. We said we were going to do like a thirty minute episode. We're already at an hour because there's so much to talk about. But <laughs> it'll never uh, be as long as we think it is. No, never. Um, but yeah, no, you're right. With 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 gyms, like long term, it's gonna it's gonna fuck people up, like mentally, emotionally. Like it, it really is gonna fuck people up. And um, I'm. My head just keeps going back to what's going on uh, Tuesday and that is what's on everyone's agenda moving forward, guys, like for all those listening, thanks so much. Um, It's going to be the number one topic this week. Um, markets Mm. are most likely going to sell off. I would not be surprised. Um, but if there is a contested election, um, we might have a very dark November. Mm. In the markets, so buckle up. It's only going um, to get worse for Canada if it uh, gets first United for for Canada too, because we're all we're we're next door neighbors, <laughs> and we depend um, on
1: them for they're the primary source of they're the primary buyer, and the export uh, importers from them too. I think. Well,
0: what yeah, of of voluminous everything, yeah. everything <laughs> and oil too, right? So yeah, we depend um,
1: on them so much.
0: Yeah. So the the thing that i would say is do not be surprised if your investments are down this week if you're already invested if you've taken profits congratulations exactly. you guys are smart nothing wrong with nothing the, wrong with that the best time to sit on cash right now is is mm-hmm. the best it's time good. to sit on cash is right now so. when there's the
1: most amount of uncertainty is the best time and right now like we're saying be, that is the reasoning where we're talking about the volatility is that there's so much uncertainty and so many variables going variables going in so many different directions that that disconnect on every facet of how you look at things is why you say that there's crazy volatility and why we say that it's very hard to see a very simple and logical trajectory forward for our, for our wealth because there's so much shit going on that taking profit right now, guys, is not a, there's nothing wrong with that
0: at all. Agreed. So we'll leave it at that. All of our American friends who are listening, if you're listening right now, go out and vote. I don't care who you vote for, just vote. I, you know, I had a friend call me. He said I voted for Joe Biden, and I was just like, dude, I don't even. I'm not even mad at you. Like, don't even, don't even worry about that. Like, I'm I not gonna hope. hold a grudge. Yeah. But go out and vote. It's, it's, it's so important. And uh, we're gonna be watching. So mm-hmm. we're just spectators in this crazy world. Um, yeah. And as soon as there is more certainty and stability in the market, I think that's a good buying opportunity. Mm-hmm. And if it
1: means waiting a year to find, we'll find value elsewhere. That's there's always other ways to put your money to work.
0: Agreed. We're at an hour right now. Yeah. so We'll leave it at that guys. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next week. Hopefully we'll have a winner by the end of next week, uh, but have a great week guys and stay safe. We'll see you next time. Ciao guys.